And so uh, would you just worship with the Lord, with him, as he comes and brings the word, all right? Bless you, brother. Good evening. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. It's always an honor um, to have the pulpit, and I don't take it lightly. Um, we, I'm, I'm going to start, uh, Sunday morning, I, I'm going to be in Psalms 100, but I'm, most of my stuff I'm going to be over in Nehemiah chapter 13. Um, Psalm 100 is real short. Um, but I started Sunday morning uh, just in my personal time before I got here. Um, God just refreshing some things in my life. And uh, I love the Wednesday night crowd because I think Wednesday night crowds are the Peter, James, and Johns of the church. <laughs> you had the 12 that followed Jesus and that were a remnant, but uh, within that remnant is a remnant. And, and I appreciate being here tonight to minister to you, but... Um, God has been ministering to me in my personal life and in different areas. And uh, Tonight I want to talk to you about the voice of thanksgiving. It may go a little bit different than, uh, than we would think, but I just want to start in Psalms chapter 100, um, five verses here. It says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. It is he who has prospered us, and not our jobs. It is he who has blessed us, and not our families. It is he who has blessed us, and not our government. It is he who has blessed us, and not any outside force. It says, it is he who has made us, not us ourselves, not the things we do, the things we do are because of how he's blessed us. And it says, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into the gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. I, I like where it says he is good because his mercy is everlasting. His mercy is not his grace. His grace gives me things that I do not deserve, but His mercy abstains things from my life that I do deserve because of my fallen state as a man. And, and I thought and I looked at this and I started thinking about uh, where we're going to go in Nehemiah chapter 13. But when we get there, we're going to understand in the book of Nehemiah, you've got Nehemiah who has one thing on his heart and that's to go and rebuild a wall around the city of Jerusalem. The reason that that's so important is because a wall of a walled sea, it's hard for us to understand today because I came here from Winfield, West Virginia. I passed through Winfield. I came through Tays Valley. I got on the interstate, drove into Hurricane. No one stopped me. No one asked for citizenship. No one knew if I had anything on me or if I didn't because we don't live in walled cities. They're unprotected cities. There are cities where you and I can move and come in and out of freely, but it wasn't the case in the Bible. In the Bible, there were walled cities, and that wall meant everything for them. That wall was, uh, they were called fortified cities, and that wall was their protector. That wall was the thing that kept evil out and kept good in. The wall was, uh, was the very thing that when the children of Israel walked around Jericho, that's what fell. God's saying that I'm going to stop their protection and their provision so that you can go in and conquer the land. And so the wall was very important, but on that wall was always a gate. A gate, uh, and I know a lot of this is real simple, but it's just helping me build my foundation. But a gate 
is an opening in a wall for both an entrance and an exit. It is a means of access. It is a passageway. Another definition for gate is a mountain passway. In other words, a path cut through the mountain to get from one side of the mountain to the other. Interestingly, the word here, thanksgiving, says enter into heaven or into his presence or where you are going to get your needs met. Enter in through his gates through thanksgiving. And so thanksgiving is our access into the kingdom and into the presence of God. An interesting thing about that word thanksgiving there is the word thanksgiving, it actually means confession. It doesn't mean our thankfulness. It is our confession. It lines up with what Jesus taught us in the New Testament. He said, say unto this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and you shall have whatsoever, not you think, Not whatever you believe in your heart, not whatever you've read, not whatever you've heard has happened for somebody else, but you and I will have whatsoever is in our heart that is spoken out of our mouth. And so God tells us here in the book of Psalms, and the reason God has led me here, I believe, in my personal life is because Sunday morning he told me, he said, today is the day that I have made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. Sometimes we have to have the right song or the right kind of praise and worship music or the thing that helps us. And really, do you understand if we need that thing to really begin to press into the worship and presence of God, we're trying to worship Him in the flesh? Are you, you understand what I'm saying? If you've got to have the right kind of music, the, the kind of music that you like, the kind of worship that you like, the kind of service you like, you're no longer worshiping Him for who He is. You can only worship Him when your flesh is entertained and your flesh is being fed and it ends up being something that is not worship. That's why you've got so many people that will come and raise their hands and bow on their face before an altar and all that and you'll never see them again because we may have touched their flesh but their heart was never touched because if Jesus touches a heart, the life is changed. Thanksgiving is our gate into everything that he has promised us. Thanksgiving is the door that allows me to enter into his safety and forces the, the, the attacks of the enemy to stay off of my life. It, thanksgiving is, is the barrier of mercy, so to speak. It is the barrier that keeps the enemy from taking stuff that's been promised to me. Thanksgiving is the, is the gate and the doorway for me to enter in to the presence of God. In the presence of God, I find every single thing that I need. But the reason I started here is because we have got to get to a place in the body of Christ. And this is what God has told me for Jim Totten's life. And it's this, is I can't worship and and dictate my life based on who you are, what you're doing, and how you're living your life. I believe that there is a remnant that is being birthed in the body of Christ, a remnant within a remnant. And what that remnant within the remnant is going to do is they're going to begin to stand up and say, I don't care what's happening in my circumstances. I will praise the Lord with everything that I am. I will lift up holy hands and see what happens sometimes as we come in here. Smith Wigglesworth, I read one of his books and they asked him a question. Every morning he woke up, he began to dance. Every single morning he got out of bed before he brushed his teeth or anything, he begins to dance. And they said, why do you do that? Are you really that spiritual? He said, no, every morning I get out of bed and I have to start in the flesh. And then I begin to dance in the spirit. 
Sometimes we've got to lift our hands even when we don't feel like lifting our hands. Sometimes we have to magnify the Lord even though the situation is bigger than what we see the solution being. Sometimes we have to do things in the natural and in the flesh in order to to begin the spirit realm to begin to work for us. We see what happens is we come into church services and by the third or fourth song, we're just now beginning to press in and we're just now beginning to worship God. But we should have been ready to worship God when we showed up, whether we felt like it or not, because He is good and His mercy endures forever. In our lives, when we wake up, we've got to understand that in order for me to get from where I am to where He has planned for me, there's one thing that's going to get me from the world into the Spirit, and that is my thanksgiving coming out of my mouth unto God. And the reason that many of us have trouble, I know in my life, uh, with thanksgiving is because I'm not really thankful for what I've got. See, my job becomes a curse for me. I can't believe I got to wake up and go to that place tomorrow. I don't want to be there. I can't wait. So we live our whole lives waiting for retirement. We work from Monday to Friday just living for Saturday so we don't have to get up and go to that dreadful place. That's why we don't tithe because we don't see it as a blessing. We don't see that job as a thing that God's given and put into our possession to to control. That's why we don't give. That's why we hate it. And so we call the blessed thing a curse. We're not thankful about what God and the resources God has put in our lives. We're not thankful for for our children all the time. We're not thankful for our marriage all the time. We're not even thankful for the paycheck that we got. Always trying to get more and always trying to ask God for more blessing. And we're not being good stewards with what he's given us in the first place. And the kingdom of God tells us this. He says, if we're stewards with what he's put in my hand, he will take even from somebody else who's not a good steward and place it in my hand because he trusts me because how I live my life is based on the condition of my heart. And so what we've got to do is we've got to begin to look at our lives and begin to live a lifestyle of thanksgiving. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. I don't like where I'm at right now every single day of my life in my career and in my job. But I am the person who's going to change that. Through my confession and through what's in my heart, I can get to where I see myself being in my heart and in the vision God's placed on my life. No one else can get me there. But what happens is we want to sit back and we just want someone to magically, we want to treat God like he's a wizard or a warlock or something (laughs) and just say, God, just come do this thing for me. And, And we've missed vital steps. We're not givers, we're not sowers, we're not tithers, we're not reading the word, we're not confessing the word. Every single time something's coming up, we're just sitting there quoting that thing, talking about our problems, talking about our circumstances. But the walled city was the place of refuge. Nehemiah knew, and you all know this story about Nehemiah, so I'm just going to hit a couple highlights. We all know that Nehemiah had a calling and a passion to go and rebuild the walls around the city of Jerusalem. When he went to do this, it says the first thing that he did when he saw the cities, he didn't blame the church. He didn't blame the priest. He didn't blame the pastor. He didn't blame this or blame that. He said, God, we have sinned against you and we have sinned against your holy word. Seeing what happens in America, especially, I didn't vote for that man in office. I ain't gonna... (laughs) 
If we would have been standing up for truth and morals and values, we can, we, we're here to shift and change things in this country and in this world. I'm not subject to the times. The times are subject to me. And so when, when the country and the world begins to walk in immorality, it is the church's fault. It is the church's fault because we've stood back and maybe we're not producing in our own lives these sin, but we're doing nothing about them. Which means when we do nothing about them, we are endorsing or allowing or permitting or giving our blessing for what's going on. And so Nehemiah here, he begins to sit and, and, and he begins to get together and rebuild the walls. Nehemiah chapter 13, I want to start just three verses here and then skip down and read one more verse. Nehemiah chapter 13 verse 1 says, On that day, say that with me, just those three words, On that day, they read in the book of Moses and in the audience of the people, and therein was found written that the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God forever. This is why. Because they, the Ammonites and Moabites, met not with the children of Israel with bread and water, but they hired Balaam against them that he should curse them. Howbeit our God turned that curse into a blessing. Now it came to pass when they had heard the law that they separated from Israel all the mixed multitude. The first thing it says there, it says, on that day. On what day? On the day that they heard the word. On the day that the word was ministered to them, on the day that the word was revealed to them, that's when they begin to change some things in their situation, in their, in their lives. We've got to understand in the body of Christ that I, I, I really believe that God is tired of lazy, lethargic Christians. And so what we want to do is hear the word and we want to tiptoe around the word and walk in disobedience, which the Bible calls witchcraft, and then have no idea why we're going through the situations we're going through and why these attacks keep coming and why we can't get break, why we can't break free. And it says in that day, the day that they heard the word, they applied the word and they began to walk in obedience and do what the word said to do. The reason you and I will ever walk under a curse isn't because God has cursed us. It's because we have failed to operate under the obedience of the blessing through the word of God. And so what happened to them is on that day, they were allowing all these people that were mixed and had different religions. When we're talking mixed, we're not talking race necessarily. We're talking religion. We're talking different beliefs. We're talking different gods. We're talking different worldviews. We're talking about, well, you know, there is only one God. And, and I know they're all called different. You've got Jesus, Muhammad, uh, Buddha, and all of them. I know they're all the same. But ultimately, at the end of that thing, we all go to the same place. And that is a lie from the pits of hell. <laughs> that's a lie, but that's what happens here is you've got all these religions coming in and even as they're beginning to build this city, if you read on right after this, you'll find that Tobiah has had a, a, a mansion, a court built inside the temple, inside the very place, in the place where they were supposed to be bringing the tithe, bringing the offering, doing the sacrifices and all these things. Tobiah was an Ammonite. Tobiah was one, belonged to these people that weren't even supposed to be allowed into the city. Tobiah, um, if you'll read through Nehemiah, man, he tried to stop the rebuilding of the walls throughout the entire book. He got with the king Sanballat and he tried to stop him over and over. And he, he began to do this. He got with the, Jew, the people from Judah and he began to have them write letters to Nehemiah speaking about his goodness. 
In the meantime, Tobiah himself was writing letters to Nehemiah, threatening him that if he didn't stop moving forward for the kingdom of God, he was going to kill him and destroy him and wipe out his nation. Isn't that just like people today? Isn't that just like a lot of church? Man, I I talked with a guy yesterday and... uh, Listen, I believe in holiness. I believe in right living. I believe in righteous living. I do not believe in legalism. I do not believe in laws and procedures. I believe in a relationship. I believe I live holy unto him because he was holy unto me. I believe that I'm cleansed because the blood of Jesus cleanses me. I believe that I'm uh, progressively continuing to become more and more like him because of the Holy Spirit that's within me. I'm not who I was, but I'm not who I'm going to be when you see me five years from now. I'm continuing to move forward with him. But the reason that that is happening is because I'm allowing the Holy Spirit through the word and the cleansing of the word to change my life and I do believe in having a life changed and a conscience seared by the word of God. I do believe in, in having our minds transformed or, so that we can conform to the word of God not us not us allowing the word of God to conform to us but us actually changing and transforming our way of thought and what we're putting into our minds and our hearts and allowing that thing to transform us. I believe in all those things but I do not believe in legalism. I do not believe that I come to church because I have to. I get to come to church. I do not raise my hands and shout and and worship His name because I have to. No one's making me do it. I do it out of obligation to Him because I love Him and I know what He's blessed me with. Even past material things, I know who I was and I know where my destination was. So I bless Him because He has pulled me out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock. I bless Him because even though He took sin off of me, He didn't just leave me empty. He got close to me and He filled me with the Holy Ghost and filled me with power and gave me purpose and direction in my life. He didn't just leave me weak and, and tired and anemic. He put, he replaced the thing that the world used to have a grip on down on the inside of me. That's why I praise him because he's good. His goodness and his mercy endure forever. From my generation to the next generation, the same blessing of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob I'm able to connect to today because he loves me and he, 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 that's what his will is for me and you in our lives. But what happens is he was allowing Tobiah to come in. In the day that the word was spoken, they said, don't allow Ammonites and Moabites and mixed, uh, mixed religions into this atmosphere. The Ammonites and Moabites are interesting people because they both came as descendants of Lot. The Ammonites and Moabites, when Lot left Sodom and Gomorrah, his two daughters, his oldest and youngest daughter, both got him drunk, had relations with him, and they both became pregnant with his son. It was births of incest. They tricked Lot, they got him drunk, and they had children by their father. And those two children were the leaders and the beginners and the originators of the Ammonites and the Moabites. And so on the one hand, it looks real pretty and it looks real beautiful and it looks real nice, but on the inside, there's something that that just isn't right. There's something that's sneaky. There's deception. There's grotesque things that are coming from. And I don't blame them necessarily because all they were doing is acting out what they had always seen in the atmosphere that they grew up in. I'm not saying what they did was right. I'm saying that that father lot allowed them to grow up in around sexual immorality and never taught them the difference. He kept them in an environment where they would be run down and they would just think sin is a light thing. Reminds me of today. <laughs> it reminds me of today. Because what legalism does to us today is legalism stands and finds one area where they're perfected in and begins to find all my flaws in another area. 
And so what we do is we walk around sometimes legalized and we think, well, I'm better than somebody else. And when we begin to do that, we're allowing secret sins and hidden things in our own lives because we're not bringing them to God. Matter of fact, we're not thankful, so we're not in the presence of God like we need to be. And when we're not in the presence of God like we need to be, He can't cleanse our heart. And so we're just a product of our own. Man, listen, do you understand the devil cannot curse you? Witchcraft cannot curse you. Balaam could not curse the children of Israel. Every time he kept trying to speak a curse over them, he kept blessing them because God said, you can't call the thing uh, cursed that I've called blessed. Do you understand the devil has no authority and no power over you and I anymore as a New Testament believer unless, (laughs) unless I open a gate up to him? Unless I'm not walking through the gate of thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and I'm not continually refreshing myself with the word of God and in prayer and confession and I'm not looking at my mountain and I'm not calling it to be cast into the sea so I'm allowing the mountain to stay and hinder me unless I'm doing these things unless... Do you understand that that means you and I have the authority to allow the curse to come on us or we've got the authority to allow the blessing to come on us? Because it was delegated authority, the price for sin, the price for the blessing, the price for the anointing has already been paid and it's already been delegated to the church. Healing has already been given to the church. Financial prosperity has already been given to the church. A right relationship has already been given to the church. But if we're not walking in it, we've allowed somewhere in our lives a gate to slam closed for us and we're, not, we're allowing the hindrances of the world and things to come into us. Sometimes it's because of ignorance, but most of the time it's because of rebellion. <laughs> that's not a shouting that's not a shouting sentence right there a lot of times it's because we have rebelled against the principles of the word of God do you understand in today's world the richest men in America are rich because they're using biblical principles they're just using it with a wrong heart do you understand that they're sowing and therefore they're reaping do you understand that they're giving there are companies today that are tithing to a church And that company is being blessed. Yeah, but they're not sinners. The obedience to the word, the word doesn't change. That's why you and I can be saved the exact same way, no matter our background, our race, or our heritage. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved because the word of God and the principles outlined in it make all of us equal and they all work the same for us in our life every single time. I'm not saying you're going to get the exact same type of miracle, but you will get a miracle in your life by your belief, by your confession, by your steadfast faith. That's it. (laughs) That's all there is to it. Tobias here, and they've allowed the guy that's deceptive to come in. They've allowed him to come in and take up residence. And Nehemiah comes back. He hears about all this. And Nehemiah's already gone back to the cupbearer. He hears what's going on. And then he comes back, and he finds all this mess that's going on. He begins to look at him. He said, man, listen, you are allowing... Well, let's, let's read verse 23, Nehemiah 13, 23. It says, In those days also saw I Jews that had married wives of Ashdod, of Ammon, and of Moab. And their children spake half in the speech of Ashdod and could not speak in the Jews' language, but according to the language of each people. And I contended with them that, and cursed them and smote certain of them and plucked off their beard or plucked off their hair and made them swear by God saying, ye shall not give your daughters unto the sons, unto their sons, nor take their daughters unto your sons or for yourselves. Isn't this an interesting set of scriptures? 
I love the way that it's worded because what Nehemiah is saying, he said, I've gone and I've come back to this place. Now in verse 1, we understand that in the day, in that day, they heard the word. In that day, they heard no Moabites, no Ammonites. They tried to curse what God called blessed. Do not mix with other religions. Do not mix. I am not telling you tonight not to be friends with the unsaved world. I am telling you not to be in fellowship with their practices. I'm telling you not to get so close that you begin to drop your morals and you begin to drop your convictions. And before you know it, you've got an intertwined religion and God never called us to religion. He called us to relationship. <laughs> and so what has happened here is he leaves and because they began to drop in what in an area that just seemed like a light thing. Man, it's just Tobiah. What about all the good things he's done? Yeah, but he's damn like, I know, but he's a good guy. Man, maybe he'll come around. Maybe, just maybe. It's just one of them. It's not like we've invited the entire city in. I know the temple's made for sacrifices. I know the temple's made to usher in the presence of God. I know the temple is, is where we bring the tithe into the storehouse to connect us back to the covenant. I understand all that. But Tobiah's a good guy. They don't understand that he's been going against leadership. They don't understand that he's been threatening leadership and threatening authority and being a problem to leadership. They don't see any of those letters Tobiah sent Nehemiah. All they're seeing is what a good guy he is. Oh, man, he loves us here. He's been here for 15, 20 years. He's always been upright. He always wears something nice and stands at the door and shakes hands. It's just a light thing, man. It's not like he's a murderer. It's not like this guy's Barabbas. It's not like this guy has a criminal record. He's really a good guy, man. He does. Now I know he's a little shady on what he believes. I know he doesn't believe quite like we believe. And man, I know what the word says. And I know he's not, you know, polished everywhere. But man, who is? That's the attitude that we begin to take in the church. And so we've been allowing things to come in. And it says when he shows up, Nehemiah, what he does is the first thing he does, he takes all Tobias stuff and he throws it out of the temple. He throws it all out on the streets. And he kicks him out and he said, you treat him from this day forward as though he's a dead man. You're looking at Tobiah, he completely kicks him out. And then he saw children, offspring. That had been birthed because the children of Israel... Now remember, all they did was let Tobiah in. But later on you'll read that they opened the gates of the city. And they allowed people to come in and out of that city freely however they wanted to come. Now I believe according to the word that when they built the city, when the word was reestablished, when all these things were reestablished, I believe they were living it the best that they could. They were excited about the word. It says in that day, in the very day they heard the word, they responded quickly and they changed and kicked all the other religions out. They, man, they acted. But it says there that by the time Nehemiah got back, the gates of the city were open. And it says what he found was that their offspring, uh, they had gone and, and married wives of Ashdod and Ammon and Moab. They began to intermingle with other religions again. Nehemiah even says, was Solomon not the greatest king of all and even women of other religions made him stray away? And it says there when Nehemiah saw their offspring, he says they could only speak half in the language of God and half in the language of Ashdod and that they could not speak in the Jews' language. 
that, that's so profound. They spoke half in the language of Ashdod and half in the language of the Jews' language, but they could not speak the language of God. Understand that if we allow certain areas in our life to come, or certain things to come into our lives, and we begin to mingle together with them, the problem is in many of our lives so often is that we've allowed things to come in. We haven't been entering into the gates of thanksgiving. We haven't been bringing Him praise. He hasn't been changing our heart. We haven't been in the Word. We haven't been in prayer. And so we're allowing these things to stay on us. And so whatever you are intimate with will always produce... And so the church has begun to produce things that are half God and half worldly. We're speaking in the language of God. Oh, he's my healer, but oh, be careful. The flu's going around. Oh, he's my provider, but man, I don't know if, man, I don't know if uh, I'm going to, if I'm going to be able to make it and pay my bills. Listen, I know we face real things, but what I'm saying is he is my source, no matter the situation that I'm in. I'm not saying not to go to someone and confide in them and let them stand beside you, but I'm saying not to begin to speak the thing that's a curse in your life to begin to speak the blessing and say, man, listen, I may have had a bad doctor's report, but the word says that by his stripes I am healed, and that's what I stand upon. I know that the bank account doesn't look pretty right now, but I know that he became poor on the cross that I might become rich. And I'm a tither, and he said, see if I won't, just test it out and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you can't contain in your storehouses. So it'll be a perpetual blessing that'll pass on to your children and to your children children's children. He said, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake if you would bring the tithe unto me. And so when you begin to stand, I'm not saying we don't have problems because we do, but I'm saying that we've got to get back to a place where we enter into the courts of thanksgiving and bring him our praise. I will bless the Lord, all my soul and all that is within me. I will lift my hands unto God, regardless of what I feel like. If you have to start out in the flesh, that's fine. Go ahead and start out in the flesh. And I pray I promise you, when you shout, the walls will fall. I promise you, when you dance, you'll begin to dance in victory. I promise you, when you begin to raise your hands, demons will have to flee. Because you and I cannot be cursed because we have been called blessed unless we allow the curse to come on us. And the only way we can allow the curse to come on us is if we stop our praise, stop our worship, and do not enter in through the gate of thanksgiving. The walls... There are walls to the kingdom of God. Listen, I'm going to take liberty and, and, and I want to say this. I'm going to say if you're not praying for your pastor and you're not praying for your leadership, shame on you. Shame on you. Because what our prayers do is they begin to build a wall. If you're talking bad about leadership and, well, I don't agree with this and that, it's not your business to agree or disagree. It's our business to submit to the authority that God has ordained in our lives and in our house. That never gets a very good amen, but that's the truth. Because when we don't do that, we're damming up the blessing in our life and we're allowing a curse to come on our house and on our children and on our families. That's Scripture. The anointing flows from the head down. Yes, Jesus is the head of the church, but He has placed in the church a shepherd over my life. I don't see Bishop Brian. I don't see him after the flesh. I see him after the Spirit. <laughs> you know why? Because he told me this week a great testimony of finances, and I got excited. You know why? Because I don't receive from him in the natural. I can receive from him in the spiritual, which means if God's blessing him in that area, I can be joined together with him, and that same anointing and that same blessing can flow in my life, and I didn't even have to fight the battle. 
That's how much God loves us. That sometimes we don't even have to fight the battle. We just got to get in the place of order and in the place where God has designed the church to be in flow and things will automatically happen to us. It's, it's the theory of the vine and the, and the, and the branches. He says, I'm the vine, you're my branches. Listen, the same life in the branches, the same life that's in the vine, and either way you still get fruit. I don't care if I'm a leaf, I don't care if I'm a thorn, I don't care if I'm the grape. The same life that's in there, the same sap that's in the trunk is the same sap that's in the branches. And listen to me, I take liberty to say that. Why do I say that? Because if you and I, we are called, if we are called to this church, and this is our home, And it is our job and our duty to pray a wall around our leadership, to pray a wall, it's called a hedge of protection, to pray a wall around that leadership. Why? Because if he's attacked, I'm attacked. If he struggles, I struggle. But if he's blessed, I am blessed. If he's more than a conqueror, I am more than a conqueror. You understand that's just how the anointing works. It's how it always has worked. It's how it always will work. God told Moses, smite the rock and water will come forth abundantly. Moses is the one that listened to the griping, the complaining, all the bickering. He hit the rock, water came forth, and the guy at the end of the line didn't even hear any of the griping, still drank. (laughs) That's how the anointing works. Understand it is our job to pray a hedge of protection around our families. To pray a wall around our pastor, to pray a wall around his family, to pray a wall around our church, to pray a wall around our community, to pray a wall around our children and our school. Understand nothing happens in this world unless we allow it to happen. That is the authority of the believer. You all come and get me a song. Listen, the authority of the believer is this. Don't be upset with me, I'm just sharing my heart. I'm about sick up to my eyeballs with hearing people complain to God and about God because of the situations that we're in. He is good all the time. He loves me all the time. He is always for me and never against me. He always, even in my day of temptation and trial, has provided me a way of escape before I ever walk into the problem. Listen, I'm not saying I'm not dumbing down our problems and our issues, but I'm about fed up with people saying, well, God wanted this and God wanted that, and it's immoral, grotesque, sinful things that God did not want. And I get about sick up to my eyeballs here in this garbage. And so people begin to go and they talk bad about God and talk bad about their problems and talk bad, you know, about their situation. <laughs> But until we begin to change our mouth, listen, understand this and do not take my words wrong. God is not in control of everything. (laughs) He's not in control of everything. He's not in control of abortion clinics. He's not in control of homosexuality and people that want to practice it. He is not in control of drug dealers and drunks and and all these people. He's not in control of rebellious, backslidden church folk. He is not in control of... Listen, do you understand you and I are here (laughs) with His authority to bring the kingdom from there to here? And if it's happening and going on in this world, do you understand that it is our fault because we have been given his authority to stop the oppression, to stop the sin, to stop the disease? But do you understand it happens because we allow it to happen? 
It is not his fault. The great thing is, once it's been exposed to us in that day, (laughs) we can kick out the mixed thing. We can kick out the thing that's been on our back. Listen to me, once it's exposed, and why is the word so important? Because I know that we all have troubles. I know we're all going through something. We're all going through something different. We're all at different levels in our walk with Christ. Some it's physical, some it's financial, some it's spiritual. No matter what's going on in your life, we're all going through something. And that's okay. What's not okay is to not enter into his courts and into his gates through thanksgiving. What's not okay is to allow that thing to stay on me. What's not okay is to blame God for my situation when he said I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. And so the reason the word is so important is because if I'm struggling in an area and I've got no scripture to stand on, I will fall and I will fail. Too many times we want to rely on the faith of our pastors and our our elders and our leaders and whoever else. But listen, at some point you got to pull up your big boy pants and walk this thing called life yourself. At some point, we got to quit being like dirt. You understand, I am a sower, therefore I'm a reaper. I sow into dirt. If I were a farmer, stand to your feet, please. If I were a farmer, I would take my seed and I would throw it out into the dirt. I'm not, I don't even know anything really about farming. I'm just telling you, I know this works. I would take my seed and I would throw it in dirt. God would open the heavens. He would bring rain. Whatever I sowed, I don't care if it was daisies or corn or whatever, it would begin to produce. Understand, dirt always does what it's made to do. If you take a shoe and you bury a shoe, that dirt will begin to decompose the shoe because all dirt's supposed to do is kill a seed. And so it doesn't matter what you're sowing, the seed's always going to die and you're always going to get a harvest. The problem, though, is that we can't have a dirt mentality. What do you mean by that? I'm a sower because I'm blessed and I'm a blessing. Hey, my situation may not be lining up with it in the natural, but I say and declare over my life, I'm a blessing because I'm blessed. I'm a sower and I'm going to reap because I sow. My day may look dark and gloomy, but I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am going to come to the end of that thing because he's already gone before me and finished it. But the dirt mentality says is here I am, come sow into me. Are you understanding what I'm saying? The dirt mentality says, I'm not going to sow and reap. I just want people to continue to take care of me. I just want people to continue to put into me. So we come to church and we just get what we need and we do our little hop and our little skip and our little buck. And we get the anointing and we get our message and we get this, but we never get back. (laughs) We come into life and we take 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 and we never give back. Do you understand when we live with the dirt mentality, what that means for us? We are not producers and we're only reproducing dirt. We have raised up in the natural, a whole generation of people that, that can't live on their own without someone putting in their hand. And I blame that on the church. I blame it on the church. Listen, guys, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I am the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. I am blessed going in. I am blessed coming out. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I may not feel like it. I may not look like it, but I'm getting there because I'm entering into his gates 
of thanksgiving. I'm entering into his courts with my praise. I will say of the Lord, he is good. He is my fortress. He is my righteous standard. In him I live and I move and I have my being. He is my provider. He is my healer. He is my righteousness. He is the lifter of my head. And listen, just saying those things, man, you can see the countenance on people's faces beginning to change because we're speaking of the goodness of God and we're beginning to walk into his presence. We are activating what's on the inside of us and releasing it into our atmosphere. Our atmosphere on the outside cannot change until we release what's on the inside of us out. (laughs) But if you don't have anything on the inside of you, you can't release anything out. That's why we're talking about our problem. That's why we're talking about disease. That's why we're talking, well, hey, that president they just elected, well, here goes America. There may go America, but not the church. Not me, because I'm blessed and the government's not my source. He is my source. He is my husband. He is the vine dresser. And in him I live and move and have my being. Listen, I didn't preach this tonight to to tear you down. I preached this tonight to open our eyes and understand everything we need's already been made available for us. Man, we just got to realize it. God already realizes it. The devil already realizes it. But if you and I don't realize it, nothing can happen. We've got to realize who we are in Christ. And if you're suffering in an area, you've got to get your nose in the book. You've got to get yourself somewhere in a prayer closet. You've got to get yourself somewhere where the Holy Ghost can shake us and change us and mold our hearts. We've got to get to the place where we begin to speak forth His Word. That's our weapon. That's how Jesus defeated the devil. What makes you and I think we'll defeat Him any other way? He said it's written. <laughs> he said it's written again. It's written a third time, and the devil left for a little while. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of getting hit upside the head. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of being broke, busted, and disgusted. And when you get tired of being punched in the nose, it's time to take a stand. And when you've done all that you know to do, stand therefore, gird up with your loins, gird with truth, holding the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, holding the shield of faith, which quenches the fiery darts, wearing the helmet of salvation, and walking with the shoes of the gospel of peace. Listen, that's who we are. If you're here this evening and you don't know Jesus, we'd like to ask you to come. And if you want to pray with us and accept him and meet Jesus, we invite you to come. If you're here tonight, and maybe you've just been struggling. Listen, it's okay because we all do. It's just we don't always admit it. But that's what this place is for. Not to judge you and condemn you and put you into some kind of legalized bondage. It's a place where we walk in bound and we leave free. Because the anointing is here. How do you know? Because we worship, we entered into his course with thanksgiving and praise. How do you know? Because the word was spoken tonight. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And the word sets us free. We shall know the truth and the truth shall set us free. That's how I know there's an anointing here. Not because I feel it. I do, but not because I feel it. That's not why. It's based on the principles. But if you're here tonight and you just need stirred up or you just need prayer, you want us to agree with you on anything, listen, man, the Word is alive and the Word is active. And Bishop and I will come together and we'll agree and God shall move. God shall do exactly what His Word says. I'm not saying that, listen, He shall do what His Word declares for me. That is not optional. It is not maybe. He shall be and He shall do exactly what His Word declares over you and I. If you're here tonight and you need prayer, come on.